Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to another episode of the Pace and Space podcast. We're still giving you what you want every week. That's basketball talk, NBA talk. We're winding down to it. It's the final three teams. Let's be honest. We're really talking about the final two teams at this point. Spurs are eliminated. Boston's on the cusp of being eliminated. Leif, what can you say about the upcoming uh, NBA Finals and the playoffs so far? Well, we've been saying it all along. We've been saying it since July since July when Durant actually came to Golden State. We knew it was going to be a Cavs-Golden State Final. I don't want to discredit the Celtics yet, but you kind of have to. It's kind of over. I mean, at the time of us recording this pod, the Celtics are down by 20 in Game 5. So it's safe to say that it's going to be the Cavs and Golden State. So it's been a pretty lackluster playoff up to this point. I'm hoping that we get a good matchup come the NBA Finals. Yeah, this has been the matchup everyone's been talking about all season long. It's round three. I think this is going to be the first time two teams face each other in three consecutive years in the finals. So on one end, you could say it's kind of boring. Everything's kind of preordained in a sense. But on the other end, we're seeing something that has never happened before in the NBA. And we're seeing two powerhouse teams basically trade blows. And now we have the rubber match basically for all of the bragging rights, so to speak. So there is some intrigue here. and But like you said, the excitement has not really been there in the playoffs. We had some excitement. We had some surprises in round one. We had a couple of interesting series in round two. And then we got to the conference finals, and it was a lot of disappointment. I I was, I was very disappointed because we didn't get to see the star power like we wanted to. Kawhi Leonard down from game one. Isaiah Thomas gone after game two. Probably shouldn't even been playing the first two games after the type of injury that was revealed regarding his hip. So, you know, both of these teams that needed everything to break right to compete and their best options or best chances to compete were taken away from them. So we pretty much got two easy series for the the champ and the champ before this previous one to, to go to the finals. Uh, uh, are you disappointed at all because of those injuries? Yeah, you have to be. Um, I, at first... I thought that Kawhi would get back. I thought that, I mean, the Thomas one didn't seem so serious, but apparently it is. But, yeah, you would kind of hope that these injuries didn't happen, maybe hope for a more competitive um, playoffs. But at the same time, I mean, it's disappointing, but I'm not sure whether those injuries really took away from the disappointment from the playoffs as a whole. Because even with Thomas there, I don't think that would have made much of a difference. Kawhi probably would have made some of a somewhat of a difference. You know, probably they could have challenged them, gotten to a game six probably. But I still think the 
the end result was going to be the same. Hmm. So there's still some disappointment. Um, but the disappointment I have is from all the teams all together. Just, there, there really wasn't that storyline. And even the storylines that we were hoping for, you know, I was hoping to see a OKC versus um, Golden State. I was hoping that that first round matchup with OKC and Houston was a little more competitive. I was hoping to see Milwaukee versus the Cavs. That would have been a good matchup. Or even Washington versus the Cavs, but we didn't get that. Mm-hmm. So I think there was a lot of series that we hoped we hoped to see, but we didn't get them. And so I think that also led to some of the disappointment. Yeah, agreed. Uh, I agree with everything you just said. To be able to see maybe uh, the up-and-comers like Milwaukee get a shot at LeBron or even um, see, you know, John Wall and Beal, see what they could have done. Although I don't think they would have fared much better than the Celtics uh, due to their lack of bench and due to the fact that, you know, they went seven games with the Celtics and they gave Boston their best shot and they didn't they didn't beat Boston. And we see how Boston's not really uh, putting up much of a fight either. Maybe the matchups would have favored Washington in a different way than Boston. Um, I do. I would have liked to see a guy like John Wall go up against you know Kyrie and LeBron, Rally Beal too. Those guys look like they they don't back down, so that would have been interesting. But ultimately, we're we're back to, you know, the two best teams in the league are gonna go play each other in the finals. That's basically the the summary of the playoffs. To nobody's surprise. Perhaps we would have appreciated a little more intrigue in how they got to the finals. There really wasn't much. I mean, the Warriors haven't even lost a game yet in the playoffs. And, you know, Cavs, okay, they lost one. Boston got one from them in game three. So they're not going to both be going into this finals undefeated. So I guess that's saying something, but... You know, 12 and 0 versus 11 and 1. Those are the two teams' records in the playoffs that are going to be facing each other. Yeah, I mean, I kind of look at it almost like the movie The, the Titanic. You knew exactly what was going to happen at the end. You were just hoping for a good storyline, so you got to that point. Yeah. And here, you knew, you know, what the NBA Finals were going to be. Everyone kind of tried to be a little creative. Some might have said, "Oh, you know, I'm hoping for a Boston San Antonio final." But deep in your heart, you knew exactly what it was going to be. Like me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you, you, you changed it up. And I'm like, why don't we just go for then what we know it's going to be? Right. But at the same time, I know you got to you gotta challenge the norm. You got you can't just Have go to. with the flow. Have you got to go different. I'm, yeah, I'm not mad at that. But at the end of the day, you just hope for a better storyline. So, mm-hmm. hey, this is what we got. We just got to take it and... I think we're going to have a really good NBA Finals. Uh, right now, Golden State is the the overwhelming, you know, favorite to win. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just hoping that it's not what they say it's going to be. Some of the comments from the Cavs make it seem like they know exactly what they have to do to beat Golden State. I'm kind of skeptical. Matter of fact, who do you think has the who's going to win this series? You giving Golden State and Cleveland in the finals? I think it's going to be yep. Golden State. 
and how many games? <laughs> you know, deep down, I want to say five, but wow. I'll give LeBron some respect and I'll say six. Wow. I can see it. Definitely. I don't, you know, Cleveland has a really good team. Um, I don't think they play a. I don't think they play a style that's going to hinder Golden State. Honestly, I know they break out the bully ball last two years in the finals when they play the Warriors, but this is a bit of a different Warriors team. Um, one, Steph Curry's going into this finals healthy. He wasn't healthy last year. Two, instead of Harrison Barnes, they got Kevin Durant at the starting small forward spot. And believe it or not, instead of Andrew Bogut, they got DeVille McGee, which is going to be more of a problem for Cleveland on defense. Andrew Bogut was a great defender, but he was a net zero on offense at that point in his career. And also, too, he couldn't really stay on the court, as the last final showed. I think this team is... A better team than Cleveland faced last year. It's a healthier team than Cleveland faced last year. And there's there's no one to lay off of in that in that five man unit for Cleveland to attack Steph or Clay like they did last year. I mean, who do you drop off of? Do you drop off of Durant? Do you drop off of Draymond? Do you drop off of McGee? I mean, Javille, he's not going to give you like 20 points, 25 points. He's not going to shoot from three or anything, but you can't leave him open because he's going to cut to the rim and he's going to he's gonna get alley-oops. He's going to dunk the ball. He, he'll get a good 12, 12 points real quick like that if you let him. So they're, they're going to have to find... They're going to have to find ways to hide Love on defense. They're going to have to find ways to hide Kyrie on defense. LeBron's not going to be able to just roam like he did last year, playing off of guys like Harrison Barnes and Iguodala. He can't sag off of Durant. In fact, he's going to have to play Durant probably a large chunk of this series, either him or Clay. He didn't have to do that last finals. I, I think it's just tougher for I think it's just a tougher task for, for Cleveland to try and beat them this year. Yeah, it's, it's a tougher matchup. Um, that Durant piece makes it a big makes a big difference mm-hmm. I mean Harrison Barnes like you said they were able to play out leave him alone and he was just killing himself yeah I mean, poor okay. poor Harrison Barnes I mean he's a solid player he's a good player but he he was just full deer in the headlights in that in that finals last year they got in his head you know they he looked like James Harden and when Thunder when the Thunder got to the finals just it was just in his head and once once it was in his head he was just he was just useless Right, but my thing is, I just feel that the Cavs up to this point, they have to have 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 a, they need to have a plan, and they have to have had a plan. I don't think when they were looking for free agents or free agents on their team and they were adding pieces, I don't think they were adding those pieces for Boston or anyone else in the Eastern Conference. Of they not. were looking at Golden State. That's the team who they were eyeing, and for what it's worth that bogut injury kind of really derailed that a little bit because they were hoping that if they had a, a healthy bogut and a 
Tristan Thompson, that'll kind of refute those arguments you just made a little bit in terms of what McGee and what Zaza is going to be doing. Yeah, but, but now, but that was folly. I mean, to to was, to rely on Bogut being healthy. Yeah, that was folly. I I, I think Bogut is one of those keep getting checks guys. He I mean he's one of those guys who you know he's going to get injured. Yeah, you know it. Yeah. I mean, it was just unfortunate how it happened, when it happened. I, I was hoping that at least he would have stayed healthy to the playoffs and be a contributor. But I'm I'm, I'm looking at that cast roster, roster right now, and I'm just trying to figure out where they're going to get that size from. Of course, you have Shannon Fry, but I'm not sure how that plays out. I mean, Tristan Thompson's going to do what he can, but he can't play 48 minutes. And the point that you made... Is is le- completely legitimate. The fact that LeBron cannot disappear on defense, he's going to have to put a body on somebody. He's going to have to play against Durant, or I mean, who else is going to? Who else can go against Durant? I mean, he he's the obvious choice to to defend him, and we know that's not a good look for him, especially at this point in his career. I mean, he's still he's still a great player. But we know that on the defensive end, he's not the same player he was before. So now he's going to have to use all that energy on the defensive end and then still come and try to facilitate the offense. That Mm -hmm. is not a good look for him at all. And then you have Kevin Love. I mean, he's he's playing playing well in, in this Eastern Conference Finals. He is. But but now you're talking about actually going to the point where you're gonna play you're going against Draymond and, and, and you know, has a mismatches with Durant it's not a it's, it's not going to be an easy series for love but in my mind I'm like the Cavs have to have an idea have to have a plan they do I don't know. they do I, I think so yeah I don't you know the plan is it's like like Shannon Fry hasn't played in the last few games is that plan like look dude just Stay there, rest up, because you're gonna get some burn. Or they got that guy who they signed on like the last day of the season. Is he like their their secret weapon <laughs> to come off the bench? And it's like, wait, where were you this whole time? I don't. I, I I was actually surprised they dropped Larry Sanders. You know, it's like, look, just follow McGee. You know, just do that. You know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what their plan is, but I hope there's a plan. Um. I know what their plan is. I'll tell you what their plan is. Their plan is... Their plan is going to be the same plan they've used the last two finals. They're going to try and beat up on Curry. They're going to try and get very physical. They're going to try and get Draymond involved in shenanigans and lose his cool. That's that's the game plan. It almost worked. It worked to a certain degree when it was just LeBron and, and and the bench players two years ago. And it did work last year when he had a healthy Kyrie and Kevin Love, even though they stared they stared elimination in the face and, and, and beat the odds and came back. You know, it's not... The, the point is, if, if the Warriors are on their game, even that is not going to work. But they were able to get the Warriors off their game, and their whole their whole game plan is to, is to get the Warriors off their game. They're... You know, LeBron's hoping he's going to have Kevin Durant in his pocket again the way he did when he played him in the finals when Durant was on OKC and he was in Miami. 
you know, he's hoping that once he has him in his pocket again, then they can go back to bullying Curry or trying to bully Curry. I think it's going to be a little different now that he's healthy this year. And, you know, they're going to try and just get Draymond out of his game because if Draymond's busy talking trash, he's not going to be busy being the facilitator and, and you know, all-around player that Golden State needs him to be. So that's their game plan, basically. You know what? It's the past couple of years, that same plan, it worked. I mean, even in that first finals matchup, it did work. I, it's just the fact that they didn't have enough bodies. And at the end of the day, mm-hmm. without uh, Ky- while Kyrie and Love, they didn't have enough firepower. Right. So will that work a third time? Could they get them off of their game? You know they're going to bully them. They're going to pound the ball inside. It could work. Um, it could work. I honestly think that it could work, but I am giving, I am giving Curry, Durant, Clay, Draymond. I'm giving these guys the benefit of the doubt. You can't, you can't fall for the same thing three times. Well, I can't even say three times because you won the first time, and you know that was also your first time in the finals. LeBron had been there several times already so they were trying to they were trying to out veteran the warriors the first finals and the fight and the once the once the warriors realized they belonged in that moment they they took over the series and won last year they had the whole series in their control they had it in the palm of their hands and and they tightened up you know because now because now they were supposed to win they weren't the up and comers. Now they were supposed to win, and they tightened up. That's basically that's basically what happened. They had everything in front of them. They had the seventy three wins. They they were they were staring destiny in the face, and they tightened up. They got nervous, and they opened the door, and Cleveland took it. This year, they should be hungry. This year, they they shouldn't. All they should be thinking about is that pain from not winning it last year. So use that because they're the better team. They are the better team. They're the better team. The only thing that only thing that remains to be seen is if they're gonna let they're gonna let LeBron play big brother on all of them and, and keep swatting their, their shots in the in the backyard. But here's the thing, it's not the better team doesn't always win. No, the better team doesn't always win. You're right. And that's and that's what I'm saying, like if they are all going to keep, you know, feeling like they have to bow down to LeBron and not realize that it's their moment to take, then they're going to lose. Right. And that's where I feel I'm going with Cass and Seven. All right. So I got Warriors in six. You got Cavs in seven. This is good. This is what we have to do. This is this is good. I like it. I see where you're coming from. I think you see where I'm coming from. It's it's going to it's going to be intriguing no matter what. Because here's the thing though, even though even though this is people have been talking about this all season long like you said, and even though this isn't like I guess surprising or exciting, it's still going to be great basketball because it's the highest level of competition it's the highest level of talent and no matter who wins 
there's a million storylines coming out of it, no matter who wins. I'm not even exaggerating. Oh, yeah. If if the Warriors win and Cleveland loses, there's so much to be written about that. There, I'm sure there's gonna be questions about Kyrie and love, and you know we're gonna start talking about LeBron's legacy again. And then if Golden State loses and Cleveland wins, you know there's gonna be same thing talk about <laughs> LeBron's legacy. But then they're also gonna be talking about how Durant can win the big one. How uh, was was the Warriors win in 2015 just a fluke? You know even knocking Curry's legitimacy even more, which seems to be like a, a thing that happens, you know, uh, can't can't just hold Curry as a true superstar. He has to be like a superstar with an asterisk for some reason. And then what happens with that team? Curry's about to get paid. Does he leave if they lose? You know, KD said he's staying, but, you know, Draymond and Clay coming up for paydays after this. Are we still going to see that same Warriors team intact if they lose again in the finals? I think that's a fair question to ask. And they're basically going to be the biggest dynasty that never was if they lose this year. So let me ask you this. So what is the biggest storyline? Who has the most to lose and the most to gain from winning or losing? Well, I think the Warriors have the most to lose. In all honesty, um, LeBron is still playing with house money. Ever yeah, he won last year. Yeah, ever and not that not just that he won last year, he brought a championship to Cleveland. Oh yeah. After That's decades and no decades and decades. Does, good. So yeah, so even if they lose this year, Cleveland fans are gonna they're gonna be good. They're like, you know what, you brought you brought one to the land. We wish we would you would have won this one, but. It's all good. Come back, stay here, bring us to the finals again. So he's good money. Now, I mean, on first take, on Cowherd, on all, on Undisputed, on all those, on all those shows, he's gonna get lit up. Cause if he doesn't win this finals, but in the big right. picture, he's gonna be fine. He'll have been what is it, three and eight in the finals which is not great. But 3-7 and seven is not great either, which is where he's at now. Um, so, you know, he... Like I said, if he loses, they're going to talk about his legacy, but at the same time, I don't think it's going to hurt him as much as if the Warriors lose because that's going to be two years in a row you lost to this Cleveland team at full strength. So the only time you beat them was when they had injuries to key players. So you're going to look like a fraud of a team. And you're going to look like a fraud of a team that's won at least 60 games the last three years. Won 73 games last year. And you added Kevin Durant this year. So you have the last three MVPs on your team. And you lose. Yep. They have more, you know. They have more to lose. Basically, they have a lot more is riding on their winning this year, and they're expected to win. You look at that team, and they should win, even with the step back. They still won with 66, 67 games this year. 
Cleveland barely got over 50. So they got they got about a 15 win margin on this team. When you look at their regular season records and then you look at the, all the star power on on the Warriors versus the star power on Cleveland. Cleveland's got a very good team. Like Cleveland's going to score. Like that's not their problem in this series. They're going to score. Kevin Love, Kyrie, LeBron, they're all going to score. That that's a scoring team. Where I think they're going to have problems on defensive stops. I think Golden State is much better poised to pull up, come up with defensive stops than, than this Cleveland team. But it, it, all, it all remains to be seen if they're going to perform as expected. Yeah. So I agree with you. I agree that Golden State has the most to lose by with all this. Because if they lose, as you said, then their team starts to look like a fraud. And I don't think teams look at them as this imposing team that they once were. In fact, better yet, I don't think many people give them the credit they probably deserve now, especially after last season, how you win all those games, set the regular season record for wins, and then lose in the NBA Finals. So yeah, I mean, you kind of it kind of already lost it then, and then you go and you get the second or third best player in the league and mm-hmm. sign to your team. You blew yeah, a three-one lead, re- so you don't get respect when you blow a three-one lead. It's as simple as that. Yeah, you were down. You were down three one. You came back. You were up three one, then lost. You, it's really hard to come back from that. And granted, coming to the NBA Finals this season, yeah, it was inevitable. But it, the, the credibility is kind of, it's kind of shot a little bit. But I mean, a win it helps. You know, they might look at it and say, "All right, you got KD. You're supposed to win." They come into this with the most pressure. As you said, the Cavs coming here, house money. You know, if if you go and you win a couple of, of these games, you're good. The only thing is, don't get swept. <laughs> you know, right. if, you win a, if you win a couple of games, you could say, look at them. Yeah, Golden State was supposed to win. Everyone felt Golden State was supposed to win. Mm-hmm. Then a storyline is going to be, hey, LeBron won three out of eight. You know, and that's that storyline. I mean... That's something that's going to keep people entertained for a while. I wouldn't go too crazy. You know, Draymond's going to have something to say. You, you know what's, you know the storyline that's yeah. going to happen. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I'm I still I'm still going to stick with Cavs and Seven. I think that's a, that'll make a, a nice, interesting um, thing to look forward to. Um, there's a lot of questions, and I think the tone has to be set straight from the, the opening jump ball. Right, and, and that's that's what remains to be seen. Yeah, and and the Cavs, Cavs, the thing is, do not let Golden State go on runs. To me, if Golden State goes on a run, because you know how they go on their runs, they go on a run where Curry, Clay, go up and down the floor, and in, and in a minute and a half, make three, four three pointers, and when you were up one, now you're down eleven, just like that. Yeah, twelve point swings. Yeah, fifteen point can, swings. Yeah, <laughs> if you can, if you know how to limit those, and really slow the game down, 
And that's the and that's the cash strategy. Slow the game down to a, a halt to the point where now you limit the, the amount of possessions. You're forcing Golden State to play more of a half-court offense and defense. You really are tiring them out, pounding them, driving the ball in, drawing fouls. I mean, that's the game. You If they do that, I mean, it'll give Golden State some trouble. Now, yeah, I'm saying Cavs and, and seven. I'm, I'm trying to psych myself out with that pick. But, you know, it can happen. I believe in it. Yeah. That's fair, but you know what? We're we're uh, we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves. We we've already basically done next week's episode. <laughs> we've done our finals preview. But oh, that's pretty much what we did, huh? Yeah, it is. But you know, there there are some teams I wanted to talk about. Like I wanted to talk, kind of do a post mortem on the Spurs, and I guess the Celtics too, because unless they make a big comeback tonight, I think that's them. That's it for the Celtics. But I want to start off first with the Spurs. And there's a lot of interesting notes about the Spurs this this summer. Um, as you know, Manu Ginobili... That's an open question. Is he retiring? Is he going to come back? He's not signed to a contract for next season right now. So he technically is a free agent. So he's a free agent. Patty Mills is a free agent this summer. Jonathan Simmons is also a free agent this summer. Um, you have to see what is gonna, what Tony Parker is going to be coming back from that energy injury he's going to be on the last year of his deal Pal Gasol has a player option I'm going to assume he opts into that because it's a 16 million 16 million dollar option I don't think he's going to do better than that on the open market so I think he's going to he's going to opt in Dwayne Dedman has a player option it's only for 3 million he might opt out David Lee, same thing. He might opt out. Which of these players do you see perhaps staying with the Spurs next year? Should any of these players stay next year? And, and what direction do you think this team's going to go? Well, for one, the team has to get younger. Um, having Ginobili retired, that instantly gets them younger. Um, they need to have more athletic um, people on that team and you know Kawhi is a good is a good player we don't have to worry about him and we, we've seen some good performance from from Jonathan Simmons you know I think you definitely have to keep him you know he mm-hmm. he's shown that he can play I, I like Patty Mills he's a good backup point guard mm-hmm. um would you say but, he's entering starter conversation now? Well, my thing is, is Pop has his feelings with certain players. You know, he has his heart set for you no know, Ginobili. You know, Ginobili's going to be that sixth man. Mm-hmm. You know, he has his heart set for Tony Parker. Um, Parker's one of those guys who I feel, you know, maybe now is better f- fitted coming off the bench 
kind of becoming like that Jameer Nelson kind of guy. Mm-hmm. You know, guy who can come in, he'll he'll come in the game, and every third game he's gonna have one of those games, and it's like, wow, he still got it. And then next game he's gonna score in single digits with like four assists. I think Maybe, that's the yeah. point where Tony Parker's getting, but I don't think his contract. I mean, he's making fifteen million dollars next season. So, I don't know if $15 million is that kind of player that you're looking for. So, what do they do? I mean, I hope, I mean, I know they're hoping that um, Paul Gasol um, opts uh, out. Right. You know, they, they want that money off the books. And if I were them, I would say, you know, LaMarcus, I know you don't want to play center, but you know what? You're just going to have to. Because you ain't moving like a power forward. Right. <laughs> You're I, slow. I was actually gonna I was actually gonna go a different direction with Lamarcus and I wanted to ask you this now. We all know you're not a you're not a big Lamarcus Aldridge fan. I'm not a big supporter of Lamarcus Aldridge either. Is there any way, especially with the way he kind of disappeared once Kawhi was, was out of, was gone in that Warriors series? Do you think there's any way the Spurs look to trading, trying to trade LaMarcus Aldridge this summer? Okay, where? Mm. Yeah, I don't know. But they, I'm I'm wondering if they would want to, though. I, yeah, I know who's going to take him, but I don't know. I, I ooh, Well... I don't know That's if they the question. Well, let's That's see. That's the question you have to ask. Who's going to take them? Do you think do you think the Knicks would do that trade? Melo for LaMarcus Aldridge. The Knicks would do <laughs> Good point. I think the Knicks would do that trade. Do you... Would San Antonio do that trade? Yeah, I think they would. And put what? Put Melo at the four? Mm-hmm. Camelo at the four, put Kawhi at the four, either one. Nah, you don't move Kawhi. You be Kawhi at the three. Don't don't I wouldn't even move him. Yeah, I I hear I hear and, you. Uh I think Melo's better at a, as a four anyway. He should have been playing the four and, like the last couple years in New York. And you just go Melo for Lamarcus straight up? Yeah, more or less. Maybe if you need a player to like balance some salary in between, because I think I think Lamarcus makes a little more than Melo, or they they might be they might be close enough in salaries that they could just do a swap. Does that make them? Does that make them younger? Does that make them? It doesn't make them any older. Them True, but does that get them any closer to where they need to be? I think so. That's I think it, I think it gives Kawhi an, another scorer. So so much of the scoring load isn't on him, and I think with a guy like Melo, that's a guy that like like this series. You know, Kawhi gets hurt. I don't think you see Melo just disappear the way Aldridge disappeared. You know, I don't think the Spurs win if they with Melo and not Kawhi. But that's still a guy that, you know, he's going to still give you 25 points even if Kawhi is not on the court. 
See, I have a hard time feeling that that's something that they would do. Just throwing it out there. I think they. I. I think they're good. I think they want to trade him at this point. I. I don't think they're happy with that investment at this point. All right. So let's let's flip this around. Let's flip it. So so you gave one possible destination for Lamarcus. What if? What if Portland expressed interest in Lamarcus? And said, you know what? We, we we hate the way it ended with Lamarcus. Mm. You know, we like to bring him back. Well, you see, fit wise, that makes sense. But here's here's the problem. One, who are you trading in return? Are you sending CJ McCollum to the Spurs in return for Lamarcus Aldridge? Well, what's one of the things that Pop prides himself on? Knowing how to pick players, right? So, just but you can't just do the pick straight up. They they need right, salary. Right. So let's and the, I mean this unless unless Pop says, "Hey Portland, I'll give you back Lamarcus Aldridge. I'll take on Evan Turner or Alan Crabb's salary that you're stuck with now because they'll probably be a much better." player in the Spurs system so they wouldn't be a sunk cost and for my trouble give me your pick as well haha which pick because now here's the thing Portland has three first round picks this year um for LaMarcus I'd probably ask for the best one out of the three I would ask for a couple of them or a couple either way (laughs) but I'm like, give me a little, but give I me don't, a couple of those picks. It makes sense. And give me... It makes sense on paper. It makes yeah. sense in a vacuum. But here's the thing. I, if LaMarcus gets sent back to Portland, he's not going to be a happy camper. Portland already knows he's not going to be a happy camper if he comes back there. Damian Lillard is still the star of the team, and that's the whole reason he left Portland in the first place because he felt he should have been the star of the team and he didn't understand why all of this attention was being thrown at Lillard's, in Lillard's direction. Stink. <laughs> so so I, I can't see that happening and I can't see Portland trading away their future to get back a guy that didn't want to be there anymore in the first place. Fair enough. So so that's, that's the thing there. Um, Denver? Denver's another option. Maybe they want to get a guy like Aldridge to pair next to Jokic. Nah. Mm, they they need some they need they need a they need a piece they need a couple pieces if they want to be a playoff team next year. Lamarcus is a player who wants to be a power forward but plays like a center. Right. Right. But he doesn't want to play center. He doesn't want the, that pounding. But um, he had the opportunity to showcase himself at that power forward position against Golden State. Dang, he laid a dud. Yeah, cause, well, first of all, he's not—he's not a four. Nah, he's not a—he's not a four in today's NBA. He's a five, really. He should have always been a five. I mean, the guy's practically seven feet, but he doesn't want to play the five. He wants to play the four because he, you know, that's what—that's what's in his head, and that's his right. But he's 
he's a mid-range four. He's not a stretch four. And he's not an up-tempo player. He's a guy that you give it to him in the elbow. He holds the ball, faces up his man, and, you know, hits a jumper over them. He, you know, guys that like Rasheed Wallace game to him. But, and that's why he got exposed against the Warriors because the the power forwards he was matching up against were Draymond Green and Kevin Durant, who run circles around him basically. So he's got to find he's got to find a he's got to find a way to suck it up and play center, or he's got to be willing to go wherever the Spurs send him. So in other words, there's really not. Not too many places for him to go. In other words. No. But uh he but here's the interesting thing. There's been some talk about this. There's been some talk about Chris Paul going to the Spurs. And now it's even been said that there's possibly mutual interest between Chris Paul and between the Spurs. What do you think of that? I like it. It's I mean, what's not to like about it, right? Yeah, I mean what's <laughs> yeah, if you can go play for Pop and play for a, a winner, why not? And especially when you're playing with Kawhi and you're playing in that offense, I think that that definitely helps you get a legitimate point guard in there. So do you bring back Patty Mills if you if you get Chris Paul? <laughs> um, and But now before we answer that question, what's going to happen with Tony Parker? Well, he, they still owe him $15 million next year, no matter what. So Tony Parker's going to be on the t- team no matter what? Yeah, unless they trade him. Okay. But, yeah, he, he's on the team no matter what next year. This is last he's year on his contract. Uh-huh. So, um, so, but, so you bring Chris Paul, and you got Tony Parker already. So you, maybe you talk, maybe you, like you were saying, Tony Parker comes off the bench next year. Which I think if you got a Tony Parker that's playing like twenty minutes a game, you might you might get something that looks close to the old Tony Parker in limited minutes, maybe. Um and then there's also you said they should bring back Jonathan Simmons. Jonathan Simmons is gonna get paid this summer, man. He's gonna get paid, and rightly so. Yeah, I mean rightly so. But he's gonna get paid and the thing is like I'm going to ask you, how old do you think Jonathan Simmons is? I don't know. Just just I'm off gonna... the top of your head. Let's see. Jonathan Simmons, 25? 27. Really? Yeah. He spent a couple years in the B-League. He's been around. So, my point being is, he he's he's gonna want to get that big contract, especially at age twenty seven. This is his peak years. He knows this is the best time to get paid. And a lot of other teams are gonna come sniffing around. I I can see Pop being willing to let him go. Yeah, I can see it, but they also. When it came to Danny Green, they gave him money. Yeah, but they gave him ten million a year. I, Jonathan Simmons is gonna get more than that. 
You think so? Yeah. Like how many? How much you thinking? Like fifteen million a year? He's gonna get. Somebody's gonna offer him like a Evan Turner level contract. Maybe. I hey, I think I think there are teams that are that are in on him. And remember, this happens all the time. This happens all the time with with Spurs players. Look, Pacers traded away the pick that became Kawhi Leonard for George Hill, so they could get George Hill. And George Hill was—he's still a good player, but he's never the player he was with the with the Spurs. Um, no. I forgot what team it was paid Gary Neal big money when he left the Spurs. Whatever happened to Gary Neal? Did he go to Charlotte or something like that? Yeah, and and then what happened to him? It non-existent Disappeared. now. Disappeared. So my point, my only point is, while Jonathan Simmons is a great story, he's a good player. There are guys like this that come up through the Spurs team every so often, and if they let him walk, I can see somebody else getting those minutes and being the next Jonathan Simmons next year. Maybe that's yeah. Maybe it's Bertans, or maybe it's Kyle Anderson. Or, you know, maybe you just give those minutes to DeJounte Murray. If you get Chris Paul and you have Tony Parker, you don't need a third-point guard. Maybe you give DeJounte Murray a run at shooting guard. And he starts playing off the ball and playing, filling in that role Simmons has been filling in as a good defender, shot maker, you know? Right. So, in other words, you feel like there's nothing to worry about with San Antonio. They'll be fine. Well, yes and no. Uh, I mean, if they get a guy like Chris Paul, they're better. But there's still there's still the Lamarcus Aldridge elephant in the room. There's which still which then compounds the problem they have with with front court defense. And then if Dwayne Dedman opts out, he's like the only real rim protector that team has. So you know if he opts out for a payday. You know, are they gonna try and pay him, or are they gonna try and, you know, bargain shop for another Dwayne Dedman elsewhere? That's kind of why I feel like San Antonio might try to get at least another pick or so in this draft. Mm. They draft well, they find good players, and I think they can use some of these players that they have. Granted, they don't have much. But to use some of these players in order to get something back. Mm. Just thinking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hear you. So there's a lot of work for Pop to do this this summer. Um, we know they got the superstar in Kawhi. And we know they have some good players around him and at the very at the very least they can they can run it most of it back and be just as good as they were this year and that's not a bad place to be it just doesn't get you over the warriors hump necessarily no nah. so if they want to they want to get over that well the thing is i don't know if chris paul gets them over that hump either because it doesn't address the real issue because the they didn't get killed at point guard. I mean, I know Steph Curry had a great series against them, but, you know, Patty Mills can score. DeJounte Murray, he's going to be a good player as he comes along. If Tony Parker is healthy, you get production and you get production in the point guard spot. The real problem is 
Pau Gasol and LaMarcus Aldridge are your bigs. And then your other bigs is David Lee and Dwayne Dedman. And Dwayne Dedman's a good shot blocker, but he can opt out. He's only going to... The player option is only for $3 million. He can. I think he can get $10 million if he goes out in the open market this summer. So do these, do these guys go, and do you think they call uh, Paul Millsap? He he looks like a spur, man. I could see him on the Spurs. So come on over, play some defense. Yeah. Block some shots, score, rebound. Yeah. You know, does it quietly. Mm-hmm. Not going to make too much of a fuss. I, I mean, I think that's I, a good I would, move. I would, look at a, I would look at a Millsap more than a Chris Paul, honestly. Right. And then you can run. Then you can roll. Then you can run it back with with Mills, Murray, and point and Parker. As like a three headed point guard, exactly. basically. Yeah, it's it's not the worst right. idea at all. So no. you bring you're, back Mills. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You. Yeah, what they're gonna be looking for is 2018 is their big free agent year. That's when they allow those contracts to get off the books. Yeah, they have a lot of money off the books. Um, They basically only have Murray, Danny Green, Kawhi, and LaMarcus on the books in the 2018 summer. That's what they're looking for. And they could still do, you know, minimal work over the summer and be a 55 to 61 team next year. Exactly. So, so look out for that. Yeah. All right. So, Spurs, you're gonna be okay, Spurs. You are every year. This year doesn't look to be any different. Um. So, what about Boston? What about Boston, man? Uh, Boston, 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 Boston. Question: Do you think the way they've lost in this Cleveland series? Has any impact on this franchise at all? It depends who you ask. If you right. talk to Ainge, Ainge will probably say the team is still building. Right. Yeah, because that's the thing, right? I think. Right, and I think that is a very, a. a very disheartening viewpoint to look at this team as still building, especially a team who had every opportunity to better their team, has all the assets in the world to build their team, and chose not to. And then when they lose to go and say, oh, we're still building, that's disappointing. They have all the pieces. They they have pieces. They have the way out. You know, they have the number one overall pick. They still have the the Nets pick next season, mm-hmm. and they keep their own pick next season, right? So you have all of this happening. It kind of gives you a, it makes you wonder a little bit, right? Uh, and yeah. you know, and I, yeah, it, like you said, it depends who you ask. But I tell you what, if I'm Horford, if I'm Isaiah Thomas, if I'm Avery Bradley, 
I don't want to hear that we're still building. But that's what I'm saying. That's what it depends you ask. The players are looking yeah. like we go in practice, we look at who's around us, and we're saying to ourselves, man, we one player away. Right. We're two players away. And the players are right there. And we know the phones ring. We know all the rumors. We, we read, we mm-hmm. read, we hear all the stuff. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it never happened. And now here you are. Right now you're losing by 32 <laughs> against the Cavs. And you're like, you know, it would have been nice if we had Butler or Carmelo. And we got none of those players because you didn't want to get rid of a pick or get yeah. rid of some of these players on the team. So it's disappointing. It's disheartening. And, yeah. And the thing is, too, this was, in some ways, the year to make a trade. I remember John was ta- Jonathan was talking about this when we had him on before. But they have dead money on their team this year that they don't have next year. Not dead money like the players are, are, are useless or anything, but like Amir Johnson, he's making $12 million this year, and then this summer he's a free agent. So that $12 million would have been really nice to use as cap filler in any trade to get a potential star, a potential piece that could have helped helped you this year. Jarebko making $5 million, Olenek making $3 million, those are guys that all come off the books this year. So next year, if you're going to make a trade, now you got to start looking at guys like A.V. Bradley or Marcus Smart, guys that you don't want to give up, that you see as part of your future in order to make any trade so and make the money match. And Yeah. And, you know, and like you said, they're one player away and everyone's circling Gordon Hayward. Is Gordon Hayward that one player? Does Gordon Hayward... Do you put Gordon Hayward on this team in this in this Eastern Conference Finals and him a healthy Isaiah Thomas and Horford does does that does that get them to the Eastern Conference Finals? No. I mean I, I, I so. love Gordon Hayward but I agree like I don't think I don't think that that gets it done. I think they needed a player more akin to the Jimmy Butler, Paul George. Now I know I know Paul George has too much risk for a GM like Ainge to trade draft picks to get him. But on the same token, if you did make that trade in February, you had the rest of this season, this playoffs, and all of next season with him. And even if he walked, you gave yourself two real shots to go to the finals. That might have been worth it. Might have been. And you would have had a real shot. Yeah, you would have had a real shot. You would have had a player who's proven he can, you know, maybe not maybe not that not maybe not that he's better than LeBron, but can go go can go toe to toe with him in a playoff series in Paul George. You know, and 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 that's the thing, you know, there was a good article on the Ringer, Kevin O'Connor wrote about how the the Celtics are like trying to build for 2017 and 2025 at the same time. Right. And something's going to have to give eventually with this team. Isaiah Thomas, next year is his last year in his contract, and he is at a ridiculous market um, value. 
He's only making six million this year and next year. Avery Bradley's only making eight million this year and next year. Marcus Smart is making three million this year, four million next year. All those, all those sweet, sweet little cap holes that are giving you flexibility to get all these other pieces, that goes out the window after next year. Who's staying? Who you keeping? I who think. Would you keep? I think they should play for now. They should play for now. I mean, you signed Horford to that big contract. And yeah, I know they signed him with the hopes that KD was going to come too. But if you're Dan- Danny Ainge, you're Brad Stevens, you're, you're Boston ownership, you signed that deal telling yourself, even if KD doesn't come, we're happy with this signing because it gives us the opportunity to win now. At least that's how that's that's what I think. I don't know if you agree with that statement. Yeah, you when you make those deals, you make the deals to sign for for now. You don't right. make you don't sign Al Horford and say, "All right, we're trying for a couple of years." Al Horford is not a couple year down the road kind of player. He's a now. He's thirty years old. Yeah, he's looking at he's looking at the team and he's saying, "Man, we can win this right now." So and yeah, and then another thing too is. You have you have Isaiah. Horford doesn't come and play, doesn't come and sign up for this team if you don't have Isaiah, right? If Hayward comes, Hayward's not coming unless Isaiah and Horford are here. So right. the guys you keep, the guys you keep bringing in, you're only able to bring them in because of the play, the win now players you have. Isaiah's 28, Horford's 30. They're not trying to hear about 2025. Right. So. How much longer can you go with saying, well, if we win this year, great, but if not, we have all these assets so we can stay in contention for the next five years. The players on your team right now don't care about that. Yeah, and I think also they're trying to keep the salary cap down. It's just a bunch of games that they're playing right now that's very, very disappointing. And it's just frustrating all the way around. And, and 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 even when you look at it, I mean, 2018, like you said, Smart, Bradley, Thomas, all free agents. Now you got to decide who you're gonna sign. Mm-hmm. I mean, who you who do you keep? You know, and yeah, each one comes with their own risk. So, and at least two of them are gonna ask for max money, or ask for near max money. Isaiah is going to ask for max. Avery Bradley, you're probably going to have to give him close to Max if you're going to want to keep him because somebody else is going to offer him something close to that. But that's but now, do you give Isaiah Thomas Max money? I think you should. I think you should. Ooh. It's Here's the thing. As a team, I understand the risk of it. But as a player, I feel like Isaiah Thomas deserves it. So next year, you will give him a five-year contract. I feel like he deserves it. Next year, Isaiah Thomas will be 29 years old. I know. I know. And, you, and you're going to give him five years. But the a thing guy is- who's a complete defense liability... <laughs> But, but you know what? You're Stop not anybody. signing Isaiah Thomas unless unless you give him that. 
like any team. And if you're Isaiah Thomas, you shouldn't settle for less. You were the last pick in the NBA. And look, look, this dude like is was an MVP candidate this year. Right, but that's me. But that's different to me. If you're Thomas, you expect nothing less. Yeah. If you're Boston, do you do that? Do no, you, no. Boston's you, Boston's gonna Boston's gonna Pat Riley him. Well, yeah. Dan, Danny Ainge is gonna Pat Riley him. He's gonna be like, hey, see what you can get on the market. Because this is all I'm gonna give you. And if you think you could get more, go get it. I can see him doing that. Right. I can already see him doing that. And then he's going to say to himself, I can play that game because I already have Horford. If Hayward comes, I already got Hayward. You know, and if, even if Hayward doesn't come, I got Markel Fultz or whoever they draft number one this year. Or whoever they trade Markel Fultz into if they trade him. So he's going to feel like he's on house money. And this is also the same guy who he pulls the trigger when he has to. KG, Paul Pierce, see you later. Rondo, see you later. He doesn't wait around. He doesn't wait around till these guys become a come a sunk cost. He gets rid of them. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's disappointing because to me they had everything lined up for them. They still with do. That, with, they still with, do. With, they still do. But I'm even. I mean, I was on the Boston bandwagon. And I was like, look, right now they got the picks. They got everything. All right. All they got to do next year, I mean, 2016, you got some picks, get your picks, go sign your players, and you're good to go. And I was and I was all for it. And NBA draft came around, and they pretty much threw away a few picks, threw away two picks in the first round. They just threw them away. They were like, we don't want this. And then you signed Al Horford and – you know, I'm like, all right. Eh, I mean, that's not the player I would have signed, but all right. You know, maybe you're trying to do something. And it just seems like that's the end. They just stopped there. Nothing went beyond that point. And they can't even say like, oh, yeah, you know, we made a great trade and got Isaiah Thomas. Not even. Isaiah Thomas fell in your lap. It, they gave kind of you did. <laughs> they kind of did. He, I mean... He was he was gifted to them in a way, you know they they got they got their nose into a three team t- trade and made it a four team trade and they didn't really give yeah. much, you know they didn't really give much of anything in return. They just offered some some cap flexibility, you know. <laughs> That's it, and they got and they got a and they got a great player. Yeah. And so now I'm feeling like instead of them trying to try to they they feel like they're trying to outsmart everybody. Well, Instead of trying to outsmart everyone and really outsmart yourself, just put together a team that uses the pieces and the players that you have. Everyone knows what your team is capable of doing. And you're you're a great regular season team, but you're a team with a lot of holes. Fix it. Do you agree with the sentiment that everything in this season should just be chalked up as like house money like the fact that they got the number one seed the fact that they got the eastern conference finals 
Like that should just be like, oh, hey, that's great. We were rebuilding any because this is what some people say. We were rebuilding anyway, but look where we got rebuilding. That That's a great result. We should just be happy with how far we got. Or should they instead feel like we're on the cusp? We have to we have to seize this moment. If you are going, if you're playing the way Boston was playing during a regular season, to where you are the first, second, third seed in the East, and there's the opportunity, a possible chance that you can give Cleveland some competition, you have to make the moves to make it possible. You can't, you can't say, all right, you know what? We're still building. We're not going to do anything crazy because those players who you have on your team who you're saying you're building with, those players that come free agents, you're going to have to play, pay those players. And once you pay those players, you're not building anymore. Right. I, I think it's, in my opinion, I think it's a mis- miscalculation to say that your window is from now until, like, whenever faults or and Jalen Brown hit their peak. I, I think that's a miscalculation. I think your window exists during the prime of Horford and Isaiah Thomas. Exactly. Because you know how good those players are. Jalen Brown could be a star. Markel Fultz or whoever you draft number one could be a star. But none of that is proven. What is proven is what Isaiah Thomas is right now, what Al Horford is right now, and whoever you signed this summer. Exactly. So, so this is your window. Um, in, in in my opinion, that's that's how I perceive it. This is your window with the ability to, but and it's not that you have a a long window of success. The thing is, you have this window now, but you didn't sell your future to get it. That's the part where you're still in the driver's seat. It's like a baseball team, right? There are some teams who trade all their prospects to win now. And there are other teams who sign key free agents and they make smart, savvy trades and they contend now, but they they try to win now, but they know they have prospects coming in to fill other positions as, you know, players retire or become too expensive or age out whatever the case may be this this is basically the cubs model the cubs didn't didn't trade any of their prospects you know they have vets they have guys so that they can win now and they try to win now with those vets but they also keep bringing in young players every year to fill in other positions i think that is basically the way boston should be looking at what they have not too unlike a baseball team and not well if we win now great but lebron's at his peak so we could also just wait until our rookies become stars too i i don't think that's a, i don't think that's necessarily a, a strategy for success it isn't you don't you can't look at the landscape around you to dictate when you are going to become competitive mm-hmm. and or when you're going to compete and I like the analogy you gave about baseball. That's exactly where it is right now. Once you sign a star player or a, a good player, you're now telling that player as part of your sales pitch that we are aiming to be competitive. We're aiming to, this is our goals. Mm-hmm. 
I'm pretty sure when they went and gave the presentation to Horford, they weren't saying, okay, in 2020, in the last year of your contract, now we're going to aim to try to get to the NBA Finals. Right, exactly. By that that point, LeBron will be about 35, 36. And so now that'll be our window of opportunity. Now we can go and win. I don't think that was the sales pitch, especially – you know, if if Horford is like it really wants to win, if he wasn't just going for the money, and I don't think that's the case. I think Horford actually wanted to win. So you have the team, like you said, and you have the players, you have the possibilities. You could have made a deal to make your team better. You could have did that last year. You could have done that this year. You have to build a, not around the players who you're getting through the draft, or the young players you're developing. Yes, you're developing those players. And to your point, if you were going to tell the fans or the team that, hey, you know what, we're still rebuilding, then you wouldn't have signed Horford. You mm-hmm. would have waited to those players who you had on your team were in a position to be competitive, that you, you groomed them, they were entering their peak, and then you say, okay, look, you know what, we need a couple of pieces Let's sign those couple of pieces to make this team bring it to the top. But to that point, we're just going to have placeholders. You know, we'll sign some player, you know, to league minimum or to a modest contract. All he wants is to get this paycheck and to have and to play. And, you know, if he gets benched because you get a player who outplays him, he won't mind. And that's the kind of play you need to have. But now you're saying Horford is part of your plans. Mm-hmm. And as you look at the NBA draft, you're you're not going to draft a player who plays the same position as Horford because you're feeling you have that player. So you're not building. You're getting better. Right. You, you're in a great position right now. You, you have the number one overall pick, which, you know, an argument can be made to keep it or to trade it but you know that's for another day but right but even not talking about trading picks there were still ways to improve this team without trading picks you know oh yeah Yosef Nurkic was just sitting there waiting to be be taken off of Denver's hands and you know Denver gave him and a pick to Portland for Mason Plumlee They gave a pick with Nurkic just to get Mason Pumley. Yep. You you could have moved Amir Johnson. And this is what I was talking about, guys like Amir Johnson, Jonas Jarebko, those expiring salaries. You could have used them to get a Nurkic, to get an Ibaka, to get guys like that, like a P.J. Tucker, you know. And if you get, like, if you get Ibaka or Nurkic, a player like that, you're improved. You're improved, and you're, you're improved – in a key way. Now, I don't know. Maybe maybe LeBron would have would have spun the ball like he's shooting a free throw in front of Ibaka anyway if he was on Boston too. I don't know. But at the time, that would that would that would have been a smart procedural move because it would have improved your team and you wouldn't have had to sell the farm to get it. Exactly. And and that's and that's ultimately the part where you have to start wondering what's going to happen here. Because even there are still ways you can you can make 
you can improve the team without giving up your future. Like, no one's saying trade. Obviously, if you were going to get Paul George, you got to trade some of your future. But you're also getting Paul George, who's a superstar and a superstar in his mid-20s. You do that trade, especially especially if he's going to stay, you do that trade. Um, but those other trades that were possible didn't involve trading the future. And so, you know, next year, next year rolls around. You have Hayward, right? But you're still probably going to need a shot blocker or rim protector or, you know, maybe an extra shooter or something like that at the trade deadline next year because that's just a, that's just the reality. That's just the reality. You, you get pieces in the summer. But the teams that are competing, the teams that are contending, a lot of times they realize in February, oh, you know what, we're actually we're actually a little deficient here, a little deficient there. We need a piece or two. Look, Cleveland, every year, they're in the finals every year. Every year they add players, and they, they make some signings in the summer. But every February, every, every March, they're picking up guys that were released. They're trading, you know, a, a bit player or a or, or draft pick. To get guys, you know, they got Kyle Korver this year. They made they they made those signings to get Darren Williams and Bogut and what have you. They're always trying to get better. So you can't say and you can't just say in November you have your team and that's it. Especially when the team you're trying to beat is getting better. So there's always a, a there's always like a, a move or two on the margins that you can do to get better. And now. The question is for Ainge, like, we know you're a good seller. We know when you sell pieces, you get maximum return. But are you a buyer? Are you really, are you, are you willing to move some chips fo- to the center of the table to, to get over the hump? <laughs> That's a question we have to ask. We still don't have an answer for and they're going to make some moves. You know, if Gordon Hayward is ready to leave Utah, he'll probably go over there. And, and you know, now they have, they'll have they have Thomas, they'll have Horford, they'll have Hayward, and Ta- along with, you know, Bradley, Crowder, and all those guys. But there's going to be a move they may need to make. And you already have Brown, you already have Hayward. Are you still going to hold on to Crowder if that's going to be the guy that you need to, to give up to make the deal work? Are you still going to hold on to Marcus Smart or Bradley even though they're on the last year of their contracts and you can get a you can get like a, a, a key piece you need in a different area on your team? These are things we're going to have to see if Angel's willing to do. Yeah, I think that opens up another whole thing. Do you think now he uses that as an excuse? When they lose or when they lose out on a trade or if he gets any kind of criticism – is that hey we're still building? Is that still is that an excuse that he's he's using? I think he that's something he he has to fall back on, and I think that's something some even some of the fan base fall back on that are um, all in on everything that he does, and it's hard not to be all in on Ainge after all these picks he's gotten you, and you're still contending while you have all these picks. But I think it's fair, it's, you you. You have to adjust your you have to adjust your benchmarks as you as you progress, you know? So just because you made a great move for your future, you know, in this year doesn't mean 
four or five years later, he he's still doing a great job of if you're if you're like in this holding pattern, right? So we'll have to see. If they sign Hayward, they're gonna be in a better position. The team will have gotten better again. But I think the question still remains on Ainge, is he is he willing is he willing to be a buyer? Right. And not and not in terms of signing contracts because signing a free agent that's painless unless you're the owner if you're the gm that's painless as long as the owner says yeah we can sign this guy or yeah we can go into the luxury tax then you're good you're set that's painless you're not giving up any players you're not giving up any assets all you're doing is adding another piece to your team so in that way it's painless so we're not talking about being a buyer in terms of getting free agents. We're talking about being a buyer in terms of moving some chips to get a key piece you need to try and contend at the deadline. For some people, that's difficult. It and is difficult. As, it's not an easy thing. I know right it's not an easy now, thing. Yeah, and now he's looking at it and he's saying, "Man, look, we're we're winning. You know, we, we we're the first. We're, we're the top seed in the East." You know, we did well last year. We got to the Eastern Conference Finals. And so now, you know, it's like, all right, we're winning. But at the same time, everyone looking at the Celtics know that there's another level they can go. And we're waiting for it all to collapse a little bit when these guys become free agents. And I can almost see it now if nothing's done. Next season, a lot of these guys are going to sign other places. They might sign Thomas back, but a lot of these other guys might get better contracts elsewhere. And we're going to look back and say, and then what? Like, what happened? Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I hope that doesn't happen. I, 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 I hope that things level out and start to make sense. But just by looking at it, you know, you still have a lot of questions. Yeah. So that's uh you know that's the postmortem on the Celtics. I mean, as of this point, Cavs have won. They're going to the finals. We gave you the finals preview already in advance. Uh, you know, maybe I don't even know. I don't even know if the finals start by next week. Yeah, it starts on I think Thursday. Okay, so it starts on Thursday. So. You know, given that it's in Golden State, we might even be done recording before Game One tips off. So, we'll we'll talk about whatever whatever Lavar Lavar Ball said or something <laughs> in between today and next week. Um, you got our finals predictions. Leif saying Cavs in seven. I'm gonna say Warriors in six. Um, you know, if you guys have any thoughts you want to share about the Spurs, about the Celtics, about any of the other playoff teams that are out already and what they should do this summer, um, feel free to weigh in. Send us a comment on Facebook at facebook.com slash the sideline reporter. Um, or you can uh, tweet it at us on Twitter. You can find us at the SL reporter. That's the Twitter account. And yeah, just weigh in. Let us know what you think. Um, use the hashtag PaySpaceNBA and share your thoughts with us. Is there any other players we th- you think might be going to any of these teams that might be a big factor 
any trades on the horizon just let us know we love talking about this stuff uh you know we're, we're fans first and foremost uh you know we're just two friends talking about basketball if you wanna you wanna drop any ideas with us and and keep the conversation going going with us by all means we love it so at this point just want to thank you Leif, for chatting up with me about all this nba talk it's a little depressing about the conference finals but uh we got through it man yeah we got through it but you know hopefully in the weeks to come we have some good conversation around the finals yeah looking forward to an exciting finals and hope all of you guys enjoyed a long weekend and uh peace out everybody later